Hello folks and welcome to another edition of the Passhole CMO Series podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by David Kaufman, Director of Global Strategies at Nixon Peabody. Now, law firms are typically steeped in tradition. Successful brands have been built on a name and an individual's connections alone. But extending those networks on a global scale whilst retaining a personal approach can be a key to success, especially when it comes to capitalizing on opportunities in today's market. Now, I'm delighted to say we are joined by David Kaufman, Director of Global Strategies at Nixon Peabody, to discuss his alternative approach to business development and why embracing globalization has been advantageous in his career. David, thank you very much for joining us today on the Passo CMO Series podcast. It's great to be here. Our pleasure. So, David, can you tell us a bit about your career journey, your role now at Nixon Peabody? Where did you start off? How did you get into legal? And how did you get into business development? You know, I'd say that, uh, you know, a lot of people think I, I, I'd say I have a non-traditional path. Uh, but a lot of what I've done at the firm and with firms has been very traditional um, mm-hmm. in kind of my development. So uh, this is my third career. Uh, my first two had uh, almost nothing to do with legal other than the fact that uh, um, I was in the, the retail and the apparel businesses, both very litigious businesses. So I hired a lot of lawyers, so I kind of understand from the client's perspective. So that was very yeah. helpful. You know, when I started working in, in, in law and then big law and a business development sales function, you know, I took, I took that experience of being a client with me. And so that's really helped me to kind of look at it from the client's perspective. But I've done a lot of traditional jobs, you know, currently at, at uh, Nixon Peabody, I started off, you know, being the regional marketing person for our West Coast offices and then ran mm-hmm. uh, our, our local business development, you know, globally for about a decade. I'd say uh, my current my current role was a, a joint collaboration between myself and our former managing partner, Andrew Glincher, who recognized the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, I was, you know, I was not well suited to do a lot of the administrative work that would come from being a more traditional marketing function. And uh, therefore he said, you know, why don't you focus on this international piece and this business development piece, which you seem to excel at. And uh, that's how we came across my kind of my, my current role um, where I I run our international practice. Um, It's uh, extensively uh, client facing. I spend about Mm -hmm. 80% of my time, you know, working directly with clients and helping, you know, clients, uh, do business all over the world. So I've, you know, and helping folks from all the world do business in the U S. So yeah. I spent the, uh, you know, most of my time working with folks that, um, need to set up businesses here, get into legal disputes, have regulatory concerns, things like that. And so really connecting them to the right lawyers at our firm or helping them vice versa, helping them work with lawyers from around the world, um, mm. with, with, uh, you know, parts of uh, the Nixon Peabody Network, my connections, things like that. Yeah. Uh, can I ask, David, you mentioned about that sort of 80% of your time connecting, and you do a huge amount of that, like at a global scale. When did you realize all of those? Did this sort of just happen organically, or did you sort of realize that those opportunities linked with globalization and how that could really benefit you and Nixon Peabody? And indeed, how did you develop that approach, that very global first approach? Well, I mean, I think I'm, I was fortunate that uh, about three decades ago, I went to China and uh, really started to develop my my understanding of, of doing business in Asia and globally. So I, I think I I think my my first two careers helped me kind of understand the world of global business, and I really that that just continued at uh, both my my predecessor firm and then this firm, 
you know, working with our China practice extensively and opening our Asia offices. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes to that. And then it just kind of snowballed into, you know, the same things that I was doing in Asia, you know, all those, all those can work in Europe and in Israel and in the UK and, you know, understanding that the people are people and that uh, no matter where they are, you know, trying to understand what, what motivates them, what drives them, what connects with them um, is, uh, is, is, is kind of basic. Um, I'm, I grew up in a small town in central Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. I had no idea that, you know, growing up that I would have spent, you know, you know, whatever, 50 years later, um, spending almost all my time thinking about what happens outside the U S but I think, you know, what it taught me was that, you know, you have to have a respect for people. So, you know, I'm a proud American, you know, it's president's day today. Um, so we're celebrating that. Um, but, uh, you know, I do, I do have a, a great respect for other people's cultures and other people's ways of doing business. And so I think that the people like the fact that, you know, even though they know what they're getting when they talk to me, I'm an American, they, uh, they understand that I'm going to be respecting their their business interests and their their how they do business. You you mentioned the start, you know, connecting connecting the dots is so important for what you do. And then you mentioned as well just about that doing business internationally. And then in the last sentence you just you mentioned the word respect about three times. Is that sort of for you the key to doing business well at an international level? And then how do you sort of nurture, you know, that's obviously the, the basis and the foundation for those relationships. But then how do you nurture and build and ameliorate those relationships over time, like regardless of the geography. Yeah, my, my philosophy has always been that you have to to be, you know, treat people as you'd like to be treated. And, you know, understanding that, you know, I've, I've never gone into something and said, well, you know, that doesn't, that looks like a low, you know, if someone asks for my help, I never say, well, you know, this doesn't, this, I'm, I don't see how this is going to pay off for me. Mm-hmm. You know, what my job is like, well, let me see how I can help you. And so by always having that as your inclination, and not really thinking about, you know, what's the what's the over under on whether this is going to be a big project or a small project. You know, the reality is I do a lot of small projects for people. I do a lot of work for people that don't end up hiring our firm. Uh, maybe they need help in some other way. Um, but uh, by going into it, the idea that I can be of service, I can be helping, um, has paid off because you know when when you know, someone does need something big or something does develop into something much larger, a much more important project, you know, of course they come to you because they come to you for everything. And so you're like, I really want people to view, especially folks that are operating outside the US, I like them to view me as their American desk. And so if they have any kind of questions, concerns, anything that happens in the US that they need help with, you know, reach out to me. You know, yeah. I, you know, I can, you know, we can do the research, I can connect you with the right people. Um, you know, if it's a small project, whatever. And, you know, really, really understand that. And that's how I'd like to be treated. I mean, I had a situation where someone reached out um, from a, um, a, you know, a kind of a more emerging comp- country yeah. and they needed, uh, you know, some type of assistance on an employment matter. And we were conflicted out. We couldn't, we actually couldn't help them with it. And so, uh, you know, I turned, went to the attorney and I said, well, you know, who should we recommend, you know, whatever. And he's like, well, I can't imagine any of our firms would be interested in any firms I know would be interested in doing this pretty small matter. Da, 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 da. And I was like, listen, you know, I'm the only, like, I'm amazed that they found me. So like, you know, I need to find them counsel somehow. 
And uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I called a friend of mine up and I said, this is probably going to be a small matter. I'm not sure what's going to happen, uh, but can you represent them? And they did and they did well. And uh, I heard from other people afterwards that, that 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 law firm was very appreciative that, you know, I went the extra mile for them. And it's just kind of the idea that, you know, that's 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 kind of what I do. It's please quite nicely into the next question. Obviously, I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person a couple of times around America. And on the surface of it, you have like the dream job and the dream lifestyle and you, you get to do such interesting and diverse work and, and really add value to people's personal and professional lives. How can other marketing and business development professionals sort of try and replicate your career path or, or even take that next step to do something more similar? Well, I'd say it's, you know, it looks it looks glamorous, but it's not all that it looks, you know, there's a lot of hard work involved in it, you know. I, uh, I get up uh, really, really early in the morning. Uh, I start my day at four o'clock in the morning on most days. And, you know, mm. oftentimes I falls into the night. So it's not as glamorous as it always looks. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that to, to, your, to answer your question, I think that you have to figure out what what inspires you, what makes it what, what's interesting. You know, ask questions. Um, if you when you when you started a, a law firm or any business here, any business you join, you know, be inquisitive. And find out like, well, how do we do that? Well, why do we do that? And then volunteer, you know, reach out to say, I'm interested in doing this, you know, put your hand up. Um, so I think, I, I, you know, very early on when I was at my firm, you know, they, they, they were talking about setting up a China office and uh, I put my hand up and that wasn't, it wasn't my role when I started. They didn't mm-hmm. hire me to do international work. Um, but I said, you know, I have a long history of doing business in China. I'd be happy to help you, whatever I can do. And, you know, ended up, you know, spending a lot of my time doing that. And that kind of led me, you know, in a roundabout way to where I am now. But, you know, if, you, if you're just going to wait and sit back and wait for someone to pick you and say, oh, yeah, you know, Eugene, you're, you, I, you, I think you're going to be good at this. That, that almost mm-hmm. never happens. You know, you have to go for it and you have to be, you know, and, and, if, and you're going to get rejection. I mean, one of the good things about me is I have a sales background. So I'm totally prepared for rejection. When I was started, when I started selling, you know, if I if I you know if I went went around and um, to a region to a group of stores, and mm-hmm. if I made one sale a day, I was happy. Yeah, you know, I had ten or eleven people just you know slam the door in my face. Um, but you know, I understand that's that's the business. Same thing with your career. You know, if you you know ask if you you know if you say you want to be interested, you want to do this. You know, they might always not always say yes. It might not always be the right time. It might not be the right job, things like that. But, you know, if you don't ask for it, you won't get it. Mm. Sort of related to that piece before, but your your attitude to business development and marketing is how can I help you? The acts of service. I want to be the connector. I want to be their American desk. There's a key element in that, which is being approachable, but also dependable, reliable, and that's very much linked to this idea of personal branding. And and, and you and I have talked before uh, <laughs> about this idea of like, you know, what is your brand? You're casual, you're fun loving, you're very open to new experiences. You treat everyone the same. Shall we say, you know, you're very unconventional in a very conventional industry. Do you think that really is a, is a string to your bow? Do you think that non-traditional approach, you're still brilliant at the work, you still have very high standards for client service, but do you think that non-traditional element which you have is very important and it, you know, it impacts how people want to spend time with you, interact with you, want to do, want to work with you as well. 
Well, I mean, I, th- I like to say that I I found authenticity early. I think you know, I think a lot of people now, are like, <laughs> you know, you have to be authentic at work. I think yeah. I've tried to be always, I, you know, at least for the last fifteen years, I've tried to be authentic at work, and yeah. uh, sometimes rubs people the wrong way. Sometimes it annoys people, but I'd say for the most part, you know, it's 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 embraced by people. People like the fact that I am who I am, and I present that way. And that uh, I have long hair and a beard, you know, dress, usually dress kind of casually or, or more interestingly. And uh, they, they like that. They appreciate that. They understand where I'm coming from. And again, you know, and I, I swim in the San Francisco Bay and I do, you know, Ironman races and things like that. And I talk about that and I talk about my, my experiences. So I think the idea is that, um, you know, people can relate to that. I'm a, I'm a person. I'm not just mm-hmm. a you know, an email address or, you know, a profile on LinkedIn or on, I don't know, law firm website. I'm a real person. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they contact me, they understand that I'll treat them like real people as well mm-hmm. and try to understand how to be, you know, to help them and help them succeed and help them, you know, achieve success. Mm. David, this has been absolutely fabulous. And I sort of wanted to, we're going to do a little quick fire round next, but you're, a real hive of great advice and practical advice. What is your one little nugget of advice for someone else who's probably a bit earlier on in their career and looking to take what I would describe as a more authentic and alternative approach and arguably much more effective and memorable approach to business development? You know, you, you mentioned your sales background and how that's built up the resilience. What should someone else trying to emulate what you've achieved do? Yeah, you know, I think the idea is to integrate it into your your real life um you know i spent a you know a lot of my you know 80 percent of my time working on a huge amount of time working you know and i and uh, i used to do a presentation called you can't turn business development on and off you know there's so many ways that mm-hmm. you know you you can you know find business find new contacts find new connections so i like to say you know integrate it into your life figure out like what do you like doing and how, how can that work with your your business life don't try to like you know i think there's a lot of effort now today they call, you know, for work-life balance. And I think that, you know, you try to, you know, people spend a lot of time trying to throw up walls to protect their personal time. Mm. And, you know, my thing is like, well, how do you, how can you find a way to make it as easy for you to do your things you're interested in and also do, do your work? I mean, I think, you know, like a good example is that, you know, we had breakfast a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco mm-hmm. and I invited you to breakfast next to where I swim. And so I got to get my swim in at the bay, in the bay yeah. And then we had breakfast together. So, I mean, I was able to kind of make that work. So I, you know, I think people should think about, you know, how, how can they construct their lives in a way that they, you know, they can feel fulfilled personally and professionally mm-hmm. and, you know, not, not worry so much about, you know, the notion of, you know, putting up hard barriers, you know, make, make your work life and your personal life be integrated. Yeah, I make it sort of symbiotic rather than at odds with one another that you can you can. Yeah, because if not, you you always feel guilty that you're not spending more time at work or you're not spending more time with your family, mm-hmm. and uh, you know if there's ways that you can can kind of make it make it feel like you are you're achieving the same purposes together. Yeah, and I think it, it, you'll you'll have a much more happier existence. And it really feeds into that whole idea of the authenticity as well, because that is who you are as a person rather than trying to juggle as much. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the mistake is sometimes people will do like, you know, people say, well, I went, I joined this, you know, this, this uh, golf club or, or I joined this tennis club or I started doing this because I thought it helped me get business. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that works. I think the idea is that if, if you do things that you love, 
and you interact with really interesting people, if you're attracted, you know, if you are attractive to interesting people and you're attracted to interesting people, you know, you it probably will help your career, no doubt. But, you know, if you're going to do it with the idea that, oh, this is, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get business out of it, you probably won't get any business out of it. You probably will be unhappy. And because people will be able to smell that, that you know, inauthentic activity. Yeah, 100%. That was a really, really nice note to finish on, David. And you will be delighted or dreading to hear that we do have a little quick fire round as well to, uh, to, to wade through. So if it's okay with you, we'll jump straight in. Sure. Wicked. So, David, what's your favorite business and non-business book? Oh, I, it's hard to say favorite. I mean, from a business perspective, you know, I'm a traditionalist. So on that, so David Maester's Trusted Advisor, you know, still fantastic. If you haven't read it, you know, I think a lot of people in business development and marketing mm-hmm. probably haven't read it because it's kind of old school, but it's fantastic. But then, you know, you know, innovation changes. So like uh, Smarter Collaboration, um, the new book out by Heidi Gardner, my friend and Penn um, classmate Heidi Gardner is a is a fantastic her approach is you know i think is revolutionary for law firms and i know we've at nixon people we've tried to embrace uh, her philosophy um as far as non-business um, i read a lot of history um the book that i kind of fell in love with last year was a book by neil bascom called faster which is about the um, car racing which i know nothing about i read the book totally un- with no one understanding that i knew anything about car racing but it's all about you know, leading up to the, to, or, or cars for that matter. You guys were in my car, so you know that it's, it's, <laughs> I don't, I'm thinking about cars, but it's a great book because it talks about, it's right, they run up to the, to World War II and it's a Jewish um, car, car racer and it's really a fascinating story. So Faster by Neil Bascom. Hmm, I'll check that out. And um, what was your first job? Uh, well, I've always entrepreneurial when I was growing up. Um, so I'd say my, my first paying job was that I taught, uh, Little kids, um, basic, the basic computer language. Yeah. And uh, I set it up so that I was in junior high school at the time. So the first um, parent would pick me up from school and then had to take me to the next parent and then to the next, to the next house. And so yeah. I ended up having 15 students each week. Um, and I was hoping to set up my own school uh, until my parents realized that I was slowly remodeling our back room and uh when they when the desks arrived um that's when they, my parents were like you can't do this you can't turn our house into a school <laughs> so that was the end of my 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 computer training days well my, my first job was working in a, in a bar so yours is slightly more sophisticated <laughs> than mine I have, I have to give it to you um we we we, we glazed so we we sort of touched on this earlier but what makes you happy at work you know, I still think I have that salesman, you know, that sales um, kind of idea. So like, I love when, you know, things work out. There's a lot of things that can go between, you know, when the, when someone reaches out for help and then we, you know, we actually sign them on. Um, so I love it when it all kind of works out, you know, when, when, you know, we, and we've been able to do a good job for a client. So I yeah. think, you know, I, I, I deal with a lot of things that never turn out to be anything, but when, you know, when something does work out, you know, I think that's just, just great, you know, that we can we can actually be some some great service to people. Couldn't agree more. And um, what are you listening to at the moment? Podcast, music, audiobooks, anything in between? I have a lot of clients. I've had a lot of clients in the UK, and I've kind of found the the BBC's um, um, app. And I I try to listen to believe it or not, I try to listen to the six your six o'clock news, the British six o'clock news every day if I can because they play it 
you know, I can listen to it anytime. And so, you know, sometimes I'll play it when I'm working out or I'm mm -hmm. coming home on the boat or whatever in my car. And, uh, you know, so, and that's interesting because it gives me kind of a, a viewpoint on a part of the world that I don't get by listening to American news. It's interesting you say that. Before I moved here, my I did a big thing of like reading the the American press, like the New York Times, Washington Post, and things like that, for precisely the same reason. It's yeah, it's refreshing to get that different style of writing, different style of journalism, the diff underlying philosophy. It's yeah, it's a good idea. And when I travel, I like I, I'm a big NPR consumer, so na our National Public Radio, yeah. and uh, and I belong. To, I actually, you know, I'm a member of of uh, the KQED here in San Francisco and also my hometown um, WPSU back in Pennsylvania. But when I travel, I like to, I like to listen to the public radio station if I travel in America in the, in the, in the, where I am. So like I'm down in LA, uh, I listen to KCRW, you know, and if I'm in Boston, I listen to WBUR and, and um, Miami, I try to listen to the local stations there. Like again, cause again, it gives you that local flavor you know, it's the same basic news. The national news is the same. But then when they get to the local news stories, you get to hear a lot of else what's going on in, in, that, in that area. David, I'm going to send you across some local radio from where I'm from. It's going to absolutely blow your mind. Um, local <laughs> Belfast radio. It's going, to be, it's going to be quite something for you. <laughs> where is your favorite place to visit and why? Uh, well, you know, I like to tell people I love San Francisco. Um, you know, I, I had an idyllic childhood in central Pennsylvania, but... I'm really happy that I moved here. And I tell people all the time, I said, you know, it's, it's the, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, a, a bad day in San Francisco is, is better than a good day pretty much anywhere else in the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, I love San Francisco, come visit. If, uh, if I have to visit someplace, uh, we, my wife and I have had some great trips down to uh, Carmel. And we stayed at the, the Mission Ranch, which is uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, property down there. Um, that's a fantastic place too, but, uh, you know, it's hard to beat San Francisco. Nice. David, on that note, we're going to wrap up there. I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to appear on the Paso CMO Series podcast. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs>